welcome to episode six of the Throwing Haymakers podcast. We're happy to have you here. Uh, I'm here with Josh and Matt. We're we're just by ourselves this week. No no uh, no guests with us this time around. Um, so Matt, how are you? Matt, how are you doing this week? What have you been up to? Uh, been busy writing. Um, trying to catch up on the NHL playoffs. It's always fun to watch the games, especially late at night. But yeah, just chilling and relaxing. How about you? You know, not too much. It's just, you know, work, come home, do some writing, go to bed, rinse, repeat. So uh, not too much to talk about. But, uh, Josh, what about you? What have you been up to? Just Nazem Kadri is living rent-free in my head. <laughs> it's been a rough couple of days, man. I mean, I, I feel bad for the Coyotes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Rough couple of days to be a Leafs fan. Rough couple – Years, I guess. More than a couple of years. But uh, anyway, so I want to get get right into it. We got a lot of uh, stuff to break down. Lots of playoff games have been uh, going down over the last few days. And, you know, it's great. Wake up, there's hockey on, basically. You know, starting at noon Eastern time and going all the way till like, 1 in the morning. So it, it's definitely been great to see how much hockey there's been. Uh, and before we dive into the playoffs, I just want to clarify something a little bit. So – there was a very controversial article that went out uh, yesterday. So we're recording this on Thursday. It went out Wednesday morning. So it went out on August 19th. And I basically said that Boston needs to move on from Tuka Rask. And I outlined uh, the fact that his commitment to the game hasn't really seemingly been there as much as some other players. You know, he's had a lot – there have been a lot of rumors over the last couple of uh, months basically talking about his – will to continue playing there have been rumors about him potentially retiring at the end of the year at the end of his current contract um so i just wanted to uh, make some clarifications about that that the news that came out yesterday about uh his daughter had nothing to do with anything i wrote i wrote the article the night before it was published wednesday morning so anyone who has a problem with what i wrote you know you guys have already been commenting on my posts so i know how you feel but um, i just want to make it very clear that everything i wrote had absolutely nothing to do with uh, the news about his daughter being uh, sick, and that's why he left the bubble. Um, so just wanted to get that out of the way, you know, make it very clear that, you know, I support his decision to leave the bubble and be with his family and take care of his family. Um, and I'm hope, wishing him and his family all the best. Um, but that news had absolutely nothing to do with what I wrote in terms of uh, knowing what happened and why he left the bubble. So uh, that said, I want to break into the Boston and Carolina series. Of course, that series is now over. Boston completing the four to one series victory, uh, beating Carolina again, uh, a repeat of last year. But uh, I want to get into this series a little bit. So, Josh, I want to start with you. What are your thoughts on Boston knocking out Carolina and moving on to the second round? It's a tough loss for Carolina for sure. Um, for a team that had played so well, I didn't pick them to win that series at the beginning of this round. Um, I didn't think it would go longer than five in any event. Um, you can't ignore the giant hole that that injury to Andrei Svechnikov left. You know, obviously there was no intention from Shara on that play or anything. But regular season, he was one of the team's three 60-point scorers, uh, 24 goals as a 19-year-old. Dude's going to be a star. He's got Rocket Richard trophies in his future. Um, and when you look at he look at what he did in the playoffs, he was over a point per game, seven points in six games, four goals. Um, 
And who did Carolina put on the top line to replace him? Jordan Martinuk. Um, right? It's tough. Um, and especially, you know, when it was the series-winning goal that it was with Bergeron banking it off of Mrazic skates with three seconds left in a period. You know, that that's just a ball-breaker of a goal. Um, do I think Carolina should have won that series? No. Um, as much as I don't like the Bruins, they're a fun team to watch uh, when they start to get things going, and they certainly got things going. Um, looking like the team they looked like last year. Um, it was impressive how they were able to turn that around even without David Pasternak. Getting him back in Game 5 was kind of just the icing on the cake for them. Um, David Krejci really stood out to me in that series. You know, he's no spring chicken. 33 years old now, veteran of 13 seasons. Uh, Kind of had a mediocre year by his standards, only 43 points, 13 goals. Uh, But he's leading that team in points right now, nine points in eight games, uh, you know, hovering right around that 20 minutes a night mark. Um, It's been really incredible to watch what he's still been able to do at a high level of play. and Boston's, you know, top three point getters in these playoffs are all over 30 years old. Um, it's really impressive to see, you know, what these old guys, vets, are able to do for this team and really what that playoff experience and leadership can bring. You know, Marshawn, Bergeron, these are all guys that know how to win, have won before, and know what to do. Um, and I thought Halak did well. I think he has more in him for sure. Um, he was certainly better in the regular season than he's shown so far. Um, I think he is definitely capable of taking this team as far as the team wants to go. I think if Boston, you know, bows out in the second round here or even later on, it's not going to be Halak's fault um, for sure. I don't think they have a goaltending deficiency, you know, unless unless he gets hurt then – that poses some issues where you're rolling with Dan Vladar and Maxime Lagasad. You can basically just say goodnight at that point. Um, you know, barring that, Boston's been getting pretty equal spread in scoring. I mean, there's a decent amount of guys that don't have points, but it's, you know, not guys you expect to be chipping in. It's uh, Carlo, Brandon Carlo has gone pointless in eight games. I wouldn't be too concerned with that you know he's not relied upon for offense he's relied upon for limiting zone entries and he's done that pretty well i haven't noticed him a lot but that's okay same with Grizzlick. uh but chris wagner chipping in andre kasha making himself known for assists in six games pretty good for the limited ice time he's been getting i got nothing to not like right now if i'm a bruins fan even without rask um yeah you could always be better um but what they did here was pretty impressive, even beating a Carolina team that was, albeit shorthanded. Um, but I would be a lot more confident in that team than I was a week ago, for sure. Josh just said, I think Bruins seemed, seemingly woke up this past week when we were coming out of the round robin. We were questioning their play, especially since I think they went, they didn't even have a win. Um, yeah, you've been getting contributions from guys like Krejci and Marshawn and Bergeron and all those guys and not even having posture knocking the lineup and being able to 
go out there and play their game and good good on uh Bruce Cassidy to finally solve what it was a rough few days for them. I'm not sure that the 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 feeling in the dressing room was the best, but they managed to get over it and they came out and won that series. I mean, look at Carolina and I think the loss to that Sveshnikov was really where this turning point took because he was one of their top producers along with Aho and Taravine. And then like Josh said, to put a guy like Jordan Martin Nuke on their first line is not something that any team wants to do. But I th- think Boston's played really well with what they've been given like to play with. They had, of course, losing Rask is not something that's ideal, but they worked with it. Halak has played well in the games that he's had. And then I just, like Josh said, I don't think there's anything to complain about if you're a Bruins fan. You got contributions from your top guys. Your second line guys are producing as well. The first line guys are going out there and making an impact every night, whether it's not on the score sheet or not, they're going out there and grinding away and getting pucks in deep and getting scoring chances on net. I just think it's been a great team collective as Boston looks to enter the second round. Yeah, that's for sure. As Boston's actually looked a lot better than I thought they would. Um, and this this kind of worried me when Pasternak went out because I will say I do think that Boston and Carolina are far more even teams than some may think. I don't think that it was in any way, shape, or form going to be easy for Boston to win the series. In fact, I picked Carolina to beat Boston. That said, Boston still came out and surprised me. They, like I said at last episode, they flipped that switch. They looked good. They looked ready to compete, ready to win. Um, obviously losing Rask hurts when you lose a, a Vesna nominee that does hurt your roster, but they have an excellent backup in Halak. So while I'm a little bit concerned there, it's not enough where I'm going to say, oh, Boston's out of this. There's no way they're going to win without Tuca. Like that's very, it's a very realistic possibility that they continue to win and maybe even get to the Stanley Cup finals the way that they played last series. So you look at when they lost Pasternak. David Krejci really had to step into the spotlight, as he always does in the playoffs. He ended up being a, a really solid contributor for this team. Uh, and we, we've seen this time and time again that Krejci is unstoppable when it comes to the playoffs. If they can rely on him to produce as he has in years past, then I think this team has a good chance of moving on. Okay. So when we look at uh, Krejci's point totals from this these playoffs – He's got nine points in eight games, you know, three goals, six assists. He's definitely a solid contributor. When you consider the kind of scoring that Boston needs from secondary guys like him, this is critical. It's, it's really important for them to have that kind of play from their second line guys if they're going to continue to move on. So when we look at the way the, the bracket's shaping up right now in the East, we've got Phillies leading 3-2 over Montreal at the moment. They, have, they haven't won that just yet. Um, I say Phillies likely, but, you know, it's still very possible Montreal could come back and shock us all. Uh, Tampa Bay already beat Columbus, and the Islanders are currently leading 3-1 to one over the Caps, although that could be ended tonight. Um, so looking at Boston's potential options, they're basically looking – they're not going to play the Islanders because if Philly wins, Islanders are going there. But you're looking at potentially playing Philadelphia or Tampa Bay in the next round. So if Boston needs, wants to beat either one of those teams, they're going to need – some big production from the secondary guys and contributions from guys like Krejci are going to be huge for them to, if they want to move on. Wouldn't Boston play the Islanders if Montreal won? 2-8 and 4-6. So Tampa would play Montreal and Boston. Okay, so yeah, yep, yeah, you're right. So I guess if Islanders, you know, they, they could, 
if if Montreal does pull off that upset, I'd consider that highly unlikely. But if Montreal does pull off that upset, then they would need to play that. But either way, you still need that secondary scoring because especially against an Islanders team that's very right. good defensively, um, there's no way they're going to get past Barry Trotz's team just, you know, relying solely on the perfection line. It's not going to work. All right, so Josh, what are your thoughts on the end of Tampa Bay and Columbus? Obviously, it was a hard-fought series. Uh, Tampa Bay coming out on top, and we have that insane five-overtime game. Uh, do you think Tampa Bay is going to have the energy to the battle on in the second round? Man, what does is, what is Tort say to those guys after they lose that series? Um, I mean, what a way for Columbus to go out. Um they were a really incredible team this year overall, just, you know, what they were able to do without their stars. I, I don't think there's anyone in in that organization who should view this season as a failure. Obviously, there are stepping stones to becoming a contender, but with how weird and wacky everything this season was with their injuries and COVID and it really was impressive with what Columbus was able to do this year, despite their injuries, despite COVID. Um, even beating a Toronto team that was, you know, I wouldn't say they were an easy out, but, you know, Corpus is standing on his head in the playoffs. Um, there's no one who should be ashamed who has anything to do with that team. Um, just an incredible story. Um, then you look at Tampa. There is a giant, just three-ton bag of bricks that is off that team's back right now. You did it. You beat the team that swept you. There is not a single person in that organization who isn't still like shaking with excitement at what they're able to do now. Um, they are the best team left standing in the East um, you can make the argument for Boston. You can make the argument for Philly, but look at how Philly is struggling now with Montreal. I mean, I, they were easily my cup favorite out of the East easily. Um, and I'm ready to throw it up, throw that out the window. Um, Montreal's done a really good job of exposing a lot of Philadelphia's weaknesses Carter Hart has either been incredible or meh. And he's shown uh, that he can get a bit rattled when stakes get high. Not playoff high, but like really, really playoff high. Um, you know, that makes any sense that, you know, he, he's a capable goalie for sure. And he's going to be car- the league's next carry price. There's no doubt about that. Um, but he's still young and he's got some weaknesses. Um, Montreal's exposed that. Boston did really well. You know, it, it's going to be tough looking out here between Tampa and Boston. Islanders certainly get to throw their hat in the ring here. Um, but Tampa is just rolling. And you look at who did it for them. Yeah, Braden Point was great. Yeah, Kucherov was great. But, you know, guys like Barclay Goodrow. Excuse me. Barclay Goodrow, Yanni Gord. Um, those guys having a party. Sorel, Anthony Sorelli is heralded as, the you know, the league's next uh, 
Bergeron, you know, whatever. Only had three points. Uh, Gord had four. Tyler Johnson had four. Kalorn had everybody chipped in. The, the only two players who have played for this team that don't have a point are Jan Ruda, who's only played in one game, and Vasilevsky, and he's the goalie. Everybody who's worth a damn on this team has scored. Um, or put, put up points, I should say. Um, and while Boston's depth has been better, it hasn't been that incredible. It hasn't been such the even spread that Tampa's been able to roll out. They did it better than Columbus did. They just shut down anybody on Columbus who wasn't Dubois and Associates. Um, they were able to get past Seth Jones. Um, can't say enough good things about Blake Coleman either. They got him at the deadline from New Jersey. He's been great. Everybody on that team has been great. Zach Bogosian, been great. When's the last time anybody ever said that, right? This is a team right now that's got all of its cylinders rolling. They're in a really scary spot. Um, and they're doing this without Stamkos. If Stamkos gets back, it's lights out for me. Um, yeah, just, just incredible to watch that series. Incredible series, crazy series. Man. Uh, I, I kind of got to say, Tampa Bay is absolutely terrifying. They haven't been able to put it together the last couple of years, but at the same time, you look at the talent on that roster, I do not see a more talented roster in the NHL. You have two – you have a Norris-caliber defenseman in Victor Hedman as your number one D-man, and then a guy who's really not that far, much far behind in Ryan McDonough. That's your top defensive pairing. That is arguably the best top pairing in the NHL right now. Oh, well, McDonough's not playing with Hedman. Guess who? Bogosian. <laughs> Top pairing, Zach Bogosian. 2.7 games. Zach Bogosian played 22 minutes a game in this series. <laughs> All right. Wait, so, now, now, granted, McDonough played 27-29. You know, these stats are all inflated. Yeah. Because of that 5 OT game. But Hedman only played 25 a game. McDonough played more than Hedman. Yeah. Wow. All right. So, anyway... Let's just let's just roll the roll the clock back a little bit then. So you've got Hedman, who is a, a Norris caliber defenseman, and then Ryan McDonough, who isn't far behind him, not playing on the same pairing, but you know, he's he's still a really good defenseman. I don't think anyone's gonna argue that. I mean, he was the captain of the New York Rangers for a while. So uh, you, you can't argue that McDonough is a very talented defenseman. Their top line, Nikita Kucherov and Braden Point right now, those those two are dominant beyond words. Right. And then you also have Steven Samkos, who isn't healthy, as you just said. I mean, we're talking; those are five players where if you were to put them all on the ice at the same time, I don't see any top five skaters in the NHL who could potentially top that at, and on any team. The difference is for me, look what happened last time Tampa was without Stamkos long-term. They completely folded. They missed the playoffs. The Maple Leafs, who were one year removed – from being the worst team in the league, beat them out for a playoff spot last week of the season. Yep. Tampa could win the cup right now if Stamkos doesn't come back. They could. They don't need Stamkos right now. I'm not saying trade Stamkos. I'm just saying it, it, it's deep beyond you know what most of us have really ever seen. You know, the only other team that really compares is 
probably the 2002 Red Wings. Brett Hole, Luke Robitaille, you know, just those guys on an already stacked core. Just absolute nonsense. All right, so Matt, let's go to you. What are your thoughts on Tampa Bay? Yeah, before I start on Tampa Bay, I just wanted to give love to the Columbus Blue Jackets. The Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, obviously, being a Maple Leafs fan, I was upset that the Leafs once again completely fell apart and lost that series, and I was mad at the Columbus players, but it wasn't their fault. They just played a great series, and they outbattled the Leafs. I think even though it's it's a disappointing exit, no one wants to exit in the first round, you always want to see your team go to the finals. I think if you're a Blue Jackets fan, you can only – you can only take the season with the, like you can only take the positives out of the season. When you look at how Pierre Luc Dubois played, I think he's there's your number one center right there. He's he he dominated the series against the Leafs and he played really well against the Lightning. I think a lot of the games that the Lightning played against Columbus were really close as witnessed with the the game that was going to the fifth overtime. And you got the emergence of Liam Foodie, a guy who's blazingly fast and can just taking the example from the Leafs game, they were on a line change and then all of a sudden you're like, oh crap, Liam Foodie's there against Barton Marinson and they scored the what ended up, I think, being the dagger for the Leafs. I just, this whole team was amazing. You got two really solid goaltenders in Merzlikens and Corpusalo for the future. And then Corpusalo definitely solidified himself. If he can continue his play in this playoffs next season, he'll be one of the top players and one of the top netminders in the league, in my opinion. And then you look at the lightning and when I was doing my bracket for our, our league, I have them winning the cup just because you look at, like you guys said, you look at the roster and there's, there's literally no weakness at all. You got guys like Hedman, McDonough, Sergachev, Chernak, all those guys on the back end. Then you got Kucherov, Point, Sorelli, Johnson, Kalorn, Gord, all those guys may get a difference even without Stamkos. It's, it's been really impressive to watch. And I think if you can, do that plus adding Stamkos back. I don't. I really don't see any team being able to beat them in the long run, other than maybe if you look at Vegas or Colorado on the western side, just because of how good they are. And then you have Vasilevsky and that. I just think for me, the series, all in all, the series was a lot closer than me, some people might expect. Columbus played a really really good series, and Tampa just they played better and ultimately won when it mattered the most. But I think moving forward, Columbus fans can take a lot of positives out of this, and Tampa Bay Lightning fans can definitely be excited heading into the second round. There's a lot. There's been a lot of talk ever since Sergei Chev was traded for Drouin to the Montreal Canadiens. But do you think, with him being a restricted free agent and he's going to get paid, do you think he can become one of the top defensemen in the league? I really can't say on that because I know Sergei Chev is a young guy who has a lot of talent, but I have not watched specifically him enough to be able to speak on that. So I'd say that there is potential there for him to, you know, develop into one of the top guys. But at the same time, I don't know if Tampa Bay can afford him. I, I need to look at their cap, cap situation. He's going to be great. I, I think he's had an underwhelming playoffs, um, quite frankly. Um, but he's been playing over 23 minutes a night. Dude's probably tired. You know, this is a guy that was – Second among their D-men in points, tied with Shattenkirk. They both had 34 points in seven games. Sergachev was playing more. He had more goals. You know, he had more points. 
than McDonough, you know, albeit McDonough was hurt. Um, guys like Tyler Johnson, Yanni Gord, Sergachev outscored them. Um, obviously, that's not the only thing you need for a defenseman, but, you know, go look at the advanced stats too. Sergachev's pretty decent there. Um, 53.3% Corsi 4. Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking at the salary cap situation for Tampa Bay right now. Looking at what they're losing this offseason, I don't know if they have enough they can afford to keep Sergeyev. Maybe if he takes a bridge deal, you know, I'll, I'll hold over till he can get his big extension. But well, right now on defense, they're losing – look at just their expiring contracts this offseason. You've got Patrick Maroon, who's only making 900000 So in terms of NHL salary cap money, that's like nothing. And then you've got – you're losing – uh, Kevin Shattenkirk, who's one one million seven fifty. You're losing Jan Rutta or Jan Rutta. What is it? Jan Ruda. Jan Ruda, who's yeah. who's at one mil three hundred. You're losing Bogosian, who's at one mil three hundred, and you're losing Luke Shen, who's at seven hundred thousand. Yeah, to me, if you're if, not losing Luke Shen, you're getting rid of Luke Shen. Okay, either way, he's he's not yeah. on the, he's not on the books next year. Is my point. Well, um, yeah. I mean, here's the thing: Shattenkirk's not going to be back. He's a UFA. He's not going to be back. But They're like, trading guys. Yeah, that's I, my thing. Is If you want to keep him, you have to trade guys because you frankly don't have the cap room if you want to keep him. Yeah, but you were saying Ruta's gone. Maroon's gone. Uh, I think Kalorn gets traded, unfortunately. I think Yanni Gord gets traded, unfortunately. He does have a no-trade clause, but I think, you know, as good as Gord's played – He's in a bottom six role for that team, and he's making over $5 million. You can't have that. It's what Toronto had to swallow with Connor Brown, um, trading him to Ottawa. I think Gord would appreciate a trade because if Gord gets plopped in a top six somewhere, he could be a 60-point guy, 70-point guy even. Um, He's that good. Um, So you got to trade him. And then you've now traded two really good players in Kalorn and Gord, which means you're going to get a lot of good picks. And if you, you know, make, you know, you could make those deals at the draft even and get some picks in this year's draft, which is going to especially be. With, especially with this draft coming up. I mean, they traded, yeah. their, they traded their, could, their best prospect, Nolan Foote, to get Blake Coleman. So. Yeah. And if you can, you know, get a second first round, well, do they even have, I don't know if they have their first round pick or not. I'm looking right now. Tampa does not have a first round pick. Yeah, I, don't, I was going to say, I don't think yeah. they do. So you could potentially end up with two first round picks if you're Tampa, which is great. And then by freeing up all that cap, you'd have the ability, you know, you can sign, you can now sign Sergeyev long term, give him about six and a half million. Uh, same for Sorelli, give him around six. And now you can do that and re-sign a nice defensive D-man in Eric Chernak. Um, so Tampa's got options. Um, what I was going to look at here uh, was some of Sergachev's advanced stats, if I can get to it quickly enough. While you're looking it up, I, I just wanted to – I asked the question just because Sergachev – I've watched him since his days in Windsor, and even not being a fan of the Montreal Canadiens, I really like that pick for them. I just I've always liked him, and now that he's on my one of my favorite teams on the Lightning, I'd, I'd be really upset to see him leave if he were to get an offer sheet offer sheet somewhere else. But I just think he's he's going to be a really good defenseman, and I'd really like to see 
the Tampa Bay Lightning keep him? I don't know. As someone who's a, a Boston fan, I kind of want to see him gone just because I'm, I'm sick of seeing Tampa up there with all these guys that they've got. I Screw it. Get rid of them all. I don't, I don't want Tampa Bay to be, to be standing in Boston's way anymore. <laughs> I want crew gone for the <laughs> Yeah, look, I, I'm going to pull up my fancy charts here. Um, I mean, Sergachev, he's never going to be the offensive dynamo that Victor Hedman was and is. Um, he could be a team's number one defenseman. I think as long as Hedman is on the lightning and not in decline, Sergachev will never eclipse what Hedman has been for the lightning for sure. But uh, he's a really defensively responsible guy who can put up, you know, um, 40, 50 points. Maybe 50 would be a reach. Uh, I I think he's, you know, kind of Jared Spurgeon light. And so I see him as just a really skilled two-way player. Uh, I'd give him the edge over Spurgeon on, you know, power play. He's, he's definitely a guy that has what it takes to be a power play quarterback. Uh, I, I have less confidence in his ability to generate offense at even strength. I think a lot of his points are going to end up coming from the power play throughout his career. I mean, he really, you know, just helps control the puck there. Um, yeah. And another thing, he can contribute on both ends because looking at him, I know um, penalty minutes isn't something that you justify signing someone to a big deal, but he had 58 penalty minutes. And I think checking, seeing how tall he is, yeah, 6'3", just his size and his weight, 216 pounds. He's a he guy throws that, body around. Yeah, he definitely does. And he's someone that can go into the corners, battle for the puck, come out with it. And he's, he's, he loves to jump into the rush. I think the Lightning would be – the Lightning are definitely going to have a hard time re-signing him, but I think if they make, can make a move, trade a guy like Gord or Kalorn in the offseason, yeah. then you got to re-sign Sorelli and Sergachev in some way. I, 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 if I'm Julian, you can't let those guys go. Yeah, if I'm Julian Breesbo, I, I want both of those, those guys on my team long-term for sure. Yeah, make whatever trades you need to make. They're good. I still don't think they're winning the Cup. I'm not convinced. We'll see what happens in the second round. Um, the Western Conference is just so stacked, man. I don't – it is hard for me to see Tampa Bay winning a seven-game series against Vegas or Colorado. That, that is the part that changes if Stamkos comes back. I still think they could win it. I'm not going to say they're not going to beat Vegas or Colorado, even without Stamkos. Um, but I would be hesitant to put Tampa ahead of those two. So we'll hit uh, – I don't know. Do you guys have a preference, Vegas or Colorado first? Vegas. Josh? Vegas. Let's keep your love for the Vegas Golden Knights. In a well – in a bottle. Keep it in a bottle. Just- this is what I was going to say. I wasn't, you know, I get the numbers said they dominated. Whatever. I I was expecting more out of these guys, if I got to be honest. Um, this is one thing where charts and numbers just didn't do it for me. There's one more gear that this team has. 
that they can find. It starts with the goaltending. It's been good. Leonard's been good. Flurry was good. Neither of them have been great. Um, and that gives me cause for concern, uh, especially with Leonard. Uh, he hasn't cost them anything. He hasn't cost them a game. Um, but... I don't know. I was really impressed with Chicago. I didn't give Chicago some love here. Uh, everyone up and down their lineup, their penalty killers, great. Um, their defense, you know, looking actually kind of like an NHL defense without Brent Seabrook. Um, Mata looking good. Slater Cuckoo looking good. Connor Murphy being, again, like those guys came to play for sure. Um, all came down to Crawford's inconsistencies and just Vegas being the better team. Um, I think this should have gone to six. I don't think it should have ended in five. Um, I'm waiting for more from this Golden Knights team. I know they can find it. Um, And, you know, it's hard to say when you look at the individual performances that some of these guys have put up like Mark Stone, like Riley Smith, like Shea Theodore. Um, Offense has not been their problem. I mean, they've been getting it from everywhere. Every skater who's played has a point, all the way down to Nick Holden. Um, Defense, I don't really think it was an issue either. Um, But there's just something kind of missing when I watch this team. Um, Looking forward, Vegas is, you know, probably going to end up playing. It's hard to say at this point with St. Louis, Vancouver, obviously going either way. Same thing with Dallas or Calgary. As we're filming this, I think both those series could be over by the time this actually comes out. Um, But, you know, if Vegas ends up drawing against Dallas, well, the goaltending may not matter as much and you've bought yourself a little bit more time. But if Vegas draws against Vancouver in the next round, I'm scared a little. I I still think they win that series, but, you know, Leonard's got a 904 save percentage right now. It's not great. Um, He's had some really good performances. I mean, he's had some just okay ones. I'm still waiting for more out of him. He has it. He had it last year with the Islanders. The entire team has it. Um, just wait and see. I think they're close, for sure. Um, looking at Chicago's long-term prospects, real quick, like it's I feel kind of odd about Chicago because when I look at what they've got, as far as like you know young guys coming in, I see a lot of promise for their future, especially in guys like Kirby Doc, Dominic Kubelik, and Alex DeBrinket. Those are all guys who I feel you know, pretty good about it. I feel like they're going to be the real building box for Chicago to build around in the future. That's going to be their next uh, Kane, Taze, and Duncan Keith. But at the same time, oh, and I, I forgot to mention um, Adam Bachvist as well. You know, he's I a, got it. He's what year does guy. Duncan Keith think it is? I swear, that was the best hockey I've seen him play since 2015. Yep. Yeah, Keith has been asked. A lot of guys that team. Jonathan Taves, too. Um, 
It's night and day from when they got swept by Nashville. I can tell you that. Yeah, but either way, looking at like what they've got, they've got some great young pieces, but I am very much concerned about their salary cap situation in, in terms of being able to keep some of those guys because Taze and Kane both have three years left following the conclusion of this year's season at 10.5 mil apiece. So, you know, they're, they're eating up a very large chunk of that forward salary cap space. You look at Duncan Keith, he's making, you know, just over five and a half. Uh, and he, he's going to be up at the same time as Taze and Kane are. And then you've got that monstrous contract with Brent Seabrook, who, while he was great for a long time, he can't really stay on the ice anymore. Uh, he, he's always on injured reserve, lots of injuries. And he is signed through the well, 20, end of the 2023 season at 6.875 a year. So that's not coming off the books anytime soon. Well, I mean, obviously you never hope for a guy to get hurt and stay hurt. Um, look at what Toronto's done with their Clarkson and Horton deals that they have. Toronto was able to spend like $95 million this year. You know, that, um, yeah, there's a cap crunch. If Seabrook is healthy, for sure. Um, but if Seabrook's sitting on LTIR, that's almost an extra seven mil that Chicago can be devoting to their roster that they wouldn't have had otherwise. Um, and it's going to be tough with Toronto losing that overhead this year. You're seeing what that's going to do to their space, that they're obviously going to have to say goodbye to both Cody Cece and Tyson Berry. But Chicago's – it's hard to tell if this playoff run was good or bad for them, right? They're just kind of a team in limbo. They have been for a while. Are they going to rebuild? Are they going to – try and get one last gasp with Taves and Kane. Are either of those guys traded before their deal is up? I could see maybe Taze. I don't think Kane would, simply because he's been a staple in the driving force of that team for so long. And while Taze is on the is on the same level in terms of his image in Chicago, I don't think he's quite as good as Kane to the point where they would keep him around over Kane. Well, I think what you'd be doing, though, because the deals are so big, what you'd be doing is pawning him off in three years as a deadline rental. Like, and you're retaining half. I I think both of them get moved on. If you're going to do that, you should move both of them. Not in the same deal, because no team's going to be able to take on 10.5. Not any team that's contending anyways. Um, but you retain 50% on both for the last three months of their deal. Um, could be a smart move there. But then again, that's three years from now. You can't start the rebuild like in three years. You either need to start it now or you're going for it. And here's the thing too, is that with Taze and Kane, if you're looking at trading them as a deadline deal, as a rental piece – you're going to have to give them to a team that wants them for the full year. You're going to have to deal them before, right before the season starts. And I'm only saying that because the asking price for the two of them 
is going to be astronomical because they are so talented and they've done so much over the course of their careers. They bring more than just their skills in the ice. They also bring the I've won a cup three times mentality. They bring that experience to the locker room as well. So if you're on a team that has young guys, that's going to be instrumental to have. So I think that – Yeah, they're it, two Hall of Famers. Yeah. Th- th- yeah. I think that the asking price is going to be very high. So I don't see a team that's willing to give up a lot at the deadline. So I, I, I truly see them being kind of like a Taylor Hall situation. Yeah. Where they get dealt right before a season starts and they're with the team for a full year. Or early in a season, right. Yeah. Okay. I can see that, yep. All right, so Matt, you've been kind of quiet. We haven't, we, we haven't really said much in a little while. So what do you think on uh, Vegas and Chicago? Well, yeah. I, I think Vegas is a team that could make a lot of – a lot of noise coming into this playoffs. They've proven it and they could, I think they can make a run to the Stanley cup final. I think it's either going to be them or Colorado out of the West. I I've been impressed by a lot of their players, but I kind of wanted to highlight the play of Shea Theodore, just completely crazy how good he's been. He has seven points in eight playoff games from the back end. It's crazy to think that at the expansion draft, I think they, Anaheim said, take him and, Get, we'll give you him so we can protect Votnin and Manson. And it just oh. you look back on that, and it was like, that's crazy. Hey, Theodore and, is just, oh, my God. And he's developing into a guy that's, I'd argue, top at least top 10 in the league for sure. He's a guy that can go out next year and put up 50-plus points from the back end. I think, like Josh mentioned, their goaltending, Robin Leonard hasn't cost them the game, and he hasn't lost them the game, but I think – he could he be I think um, Mark Andre Fleury has could be better as well. I really like. I just. I really like the roster as a whole. I don't think a lot of people expected them to be this good when they first came into the league, and they've proven that they're a top team in this league for sure. I don't like them as much as Josh does. I'd be hard pressed to find a lot of people who like them as much as Josh does. But you got to respect. I definitely respect them. They're absolutely a great team, and I think they can make a deep run in this playoffs. And then Chicago. Like you guys were saying, Tan and Kays, they're definitely not what they used to be. Tan had a Kays had a great playoffs and Keith as well. I, that's the best hockey I've seen Keith play in a very long time. Sort of reminiscent of those days where they were making the Stanley Cup final seem like every other year. And then, I don't know, they're kind of a tough situation because you have young guys that can definitely contribute, but you also have those guys that are definitely on the decline in their careers and like you guys were saying, I don't know if you trade Canyon Tays now or you wait three years and you just go for it, but that's definitely something that's a decision that's going to have to be made the next probably few months and something that no team kind of wants to go through because these guys have been in Chicago so long and they've been the face of the Blackhawks for so long. But at, there comes a time where you have to move on and you need to think of the future of your hockey club and they're going to have to decide if Canyon Tays are those guys or they suck for a few years and they come – back with the building blocks like Doc and Boakvist and all those guys and make a run for it in, I don't know, two or three seasons from now. But looking at those series as a whole, Vegas is a scary team. I'm not going to deny that. And Chicago, they played really good hockey. I was, they, they played a great series against the Edmonton Oilers, and I thought, like Josh said, this game could have gone six easily, but Vegas was just a better team overall. They still have Cody Glass coming. And they still have Peyton Krebs coming. 
not only are they good now, Vegas is going to make the playoffs their first 10 seasons in the league. Like it's just maybe win a couple cups as well. It there's not much else you can say other than unprecedented. They're an unprecedented team, unprecedented management group, unprecedented scouts. So something I just kind of want to say about Vegas real quick. So there's something I had actually seen. I believe it was right after Vegas was knocked out of the finals by Washington that first season. Now, I'm not necessarily saying this is true. I'm just saying this is an interesting thing that maybe we should, you know, take a look at, keep an eye on over the next few years. Um, but you look at what the Florida Panthers did their first when they were first brought into the NHL. They were really good for a couple of years. Look where they are now. They haven't won anything in a, a very long time. I don't have it right up in front of me as far as when they last made a really solid playoff run, but it's been a long time. I can tell you that much. And then you look at a team but like were Tampa they, Bay. Were they hashtag actually good? Well, all right. I'm pulling or was this up that now. Just, Give me a second. I'm pulling or was up. that just a team who got lucky? I was going to say, well, you look at Vegas and – And they had, they had Van Beesbrook. Yeah. And you look at guys like what let's Vegas at, has now. Yeah, okay, let's look I wanna, at. I want to make very clear. John Van Beesbrook, the playoffs John Van Beesbrook had in 1996 when they made it to the Avs in the final. Yeah, 932 save percentage. And yeah. the team went 12 and 10. They got swept by Colorado. Van right. Beesbrook had a 932. All right, so just, just give me a second, all right? You know, I, I, I'm, I'm not saying that I think that Tampa Bay is going to – or not Tampa Bay. I think that Vegas is going to suck just because, you know, same thing as Florida. Though they're really good for a couple Florida. of years and they sucked. Florida. I'm just saying it's something Hold in on. this correlation no, to keep no. an eye on. We're going to go into this now. You got yourself into this. Florida in the 96th place, now given scoring was down, yada, yada. They only had one guy get 10 goals. They made it to the cup finals. They only had four guys get at least 10 points. Their leading scorer was Dave Lowry. Who? Right, 10 goals. Pretty good. Ray Shepard. Stu Barnes. Bill Lindsay. Those are your four guys. Scott Mellenby had nine points in 22 games. The savior of that team. He had 70 points in 79 games in the regular season. Sure. Yeah, give it to me. Whatever. So this team had nothing. They they had the one good year of Robert Svella. They had the one good year of Johan Garpenlov. They had a sixty point season out of Rob Niedermeyer, which I'm fairly certain never had and the team wasn't even that great during the regular season either. They are 41, 31, and 10. What I got to look up 1995-96 NHL standings. Yeah, let's go to this here. Panthers had 92 points in the league. They were, oh, fourth. All right, I'll walk that back. Oh, no, sorry, that's conference. That's conference. Yeah, still seventh in the league. Forget that they didn't have the loser point. All right, so back to back to my original also, point, real quick. Detroit 
What was that? <laughs> sorry. Yeah. So sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So so my whole argument was basically I just I'm not like I said I'm just saying this is a correlation to keep an eye on over the next couple of years. I'm not in any way trying to say that I think Vegas is going to suck in a couple of years. But I but the article You're that I had read. Us. <laughs> see the the article that I read. I remember reading at the time. It outlined the fact that the Florida Panthers came in hot. And then they've, they've sucked since. Then you look at an organization like the Tampa Bay Lightning. They sucked to start and have had a lot of success since. That was, that was where I was going with that. Now, Vegas is definitely a unique situation seeing as how they've been in the playoffs for three years. They've, made, they've had a very good teams. Um, and i just like to see how things progress with Vegas over the next few years and see, you know, do they continue this trend of being really good? Or do they end up becoming a Florida Panthers where they're good for a little while at the start and then they end up becoming, you know, an embarrassment of an organization? So that's, just, that's more what I'd like to, you know, just keep an eye on, see where that ends up going. And another thing, too, is everyone says that the fans in Vegas are the best. They're, they're diehard. They're the best fans in the world. But you know what? Every winning team has diehard fans who love the game. So I'd like to see – how those fans show up to games when they're not winning consistently. Yeah. Um, I just wanted, I was looking at their prospects while you guys were talking and like Josh mentioned, Cody glass, he didn't make a lot of noise, but he was injured. And what you look, when you look at what he did with point Portland last year, he was arguably the best player in the WHL and he comes in and I just think he's going to make an impact right away. He got Peyton Krebs, 60 points in 38 games. He has an Achilles and he just came off an Achilles injury. Another guy that's going to be, really good i really like some guy that my, many people may not know about but zach white cloud chance to be a pretty good guy nick hag six foot six oh really good white cloud. great player and then you have the last guy is nick waugh six four 205 pounds great player this year as a chance awesome. to be a solid player let's look at white cloud's fancy shirts i really like him Come on, submit. Yeah. So, ha, ha, see, how do I describe this? So, you know, we can't show these charts to you because, you know, it's a podcast. But so these numbers are standard deviations. So basically for each stat, it's – um you know, based off the league average, how good are they? So one's like, yeah, they're better than average. Two's like, they're pretty elite. Three is, you know, mind-bogglingly good or bad, you know. Negative anyway. The direction that it goes with. So, you know, White Cloud, White Cloud's never going to be an offensive guy. All his goals for, his expected goals for, Corsi 4 per 60, all of that is right around average. But both his uh, expected goals against per 60 and Corsi against per 60 were up kind of close to that two standard deviation mark, um, which is incredible for a third pairing rookie. You know, who was more impressive as a defensive defenseman this year as a rookie? Marino? That's it. Um, you know, not discounting McCarr Hughes, but those guys are not defensive defensemen. Um, White Cloud's going to be something special. 
for this team for a while. And that's what it is about Vegas. It's the guys that you don't know, you don't care about. Florida was a bunch of overachievers. Vegas is a bunch of guys who just fly under the radar and gel together incredibly well. Um, And to go back to your point, Brandon, you know, that city is never going to give up on this team based on the time that they came in the league and the impact that they had, you know, um, playing their first home game, I think 10 days after that, you know, Las Vegas massacre. So it's, you know, the impact that they've continuously had on that community and the culture they've generated in that city in a really short time span is incredible. Hopefully the Vegas Raiders can live up to that example. It's a tall task. Yeah, definitely going to be a tall order. Um, I just wanted to say, looking at Krebs and who he's projected to be like, scouts have said, and he said he likes to model his game after Anze Kopitar and Jonathan plays. For me, he's a guy that I was like, Ooh, like last year with the 17th overall pick, I was like, that's a solid pick. I don't know. How did Caulfield fall that far? I like, I liked him a lot. I think he had a great season with the ice last year. He had an even better season this year in the limited games that he played. I think those are two great guys that you could compare him to the speed that he plays, the playmaking ability. I mean, there's a bit of a risk. I mean, there's some guys that are teetering on if he has that ability to be that great player. But I just think looking at their prospects, like Josh said, I'm, there's a lot of guys that are under the radar and Nick Hag, six, six, even if he's not the best, he's just so big out there that it's like he's intimidating Uh, you're not lying I think he's going to be good as well 6-6-2-15 he's 21 years old at 11 points in 38 games over 16 minutes a night 32 penalty minutes what was his course he at um 56.2% 56.2% Corsi 4. 2.5% relative for a 21 year old. Sign me up. This team is, from any and every angle you look at it, absolutely incredible in the way they've been constructed. On ice results be damned. It's an architectural masterpiece. So uh, let's let's move on to our next and final series that we got. That's that's wrapped up at this point in time. The Colorado Avalanche and Arizona Coyotes. Colorado wins the series four games to one, and looking really good while they did it. So uh, Matt, let's start with you on this one. What do you think of Colorado and Arizona wrapping things up? Before I start, I just want to say I'm sorry to all the Arizona Coyotes fans out there. Darcy Kemper played really well this series, and it was tough to see. I think they lost 7-1. He was another – he's an under-the-radar pickup for sure. If he hadn't been injured, I'd argue that he's probably top three in the Vezina voting this year. He was the reason why they were in some games. Just some guys just didn't even look interested. I expected Kessel to go in there and actually be able to maybe he's out of the spotlight. He's in Arizona. There's not a lot of media like he was in Toronto. I just expected him to go in there and be able to 
make more of an impact than what I've seen of him. And then Hall, like probably the biggest acquisition at the trade deadline that just didn't mesh well with that Coyotes. He's definitely, I don't think he goes back. And then you got Oliver Ackman Larson, who's getting paid $8 million. And he looks subpar there at best. I think this team has a lot of holes that need to be filled. And you're not going to be able to rely on Darcy Kemper and Antti Ranta being all-stars every night to make a deep run in the playoffs. And then Colorado, I don't even know where to begin. This team is going to be good for so many years. McKinnon, I was watching highlights of him today, just the way the speed. Ever since he's entered the playoffs, he's looked like he took another love, like you know, he took another step. I don't even know if that's possible. Just the way he flies down the wing and is able to get off that wrist shot is absolutely incredible. Leading the playoffs in points, 13 points. Guys like Kadri, of course, the, the season that the Leafs trade him, he turns it on the playoffs and he's what we all wished he could have been with the, the Leafs. But of course, like so many other players, they, they do well when they leave the Leafs. But he's been playing really well. McCarthy's been playing well. That at least we're not Oilers fans, Matt. Yeah, I'll, I'll. That's definitely a positive. But McCarr's been really playing really well. Kadri, McKinnon, Rantanen, Landis Cog, all of them. Just every time they put in a line on the ice, I just I'm like I'm not I'm not uncomfortable with the guys they put on the ice. Every time they put someone on the ice, I'm like that guy could make an impact. And Colorado is. A very, very scary team that's going to be so good for so long. And I would not be surprised to see them making a run to the conference finals or the Stanley Cup. They're, they are that good. And it's very scary. And I don't even want to mention their prospects because I could go on for days. But their entirety of your The one guy who instilled confidence in me for the Coyotes was Clayton Keller. Uh, seven points in nine games. Uh, had four of the team's 22 goals in playoffs. Led the team in scoring. Good for him. He's a guy that needed to have a big playoff. Um, you know, it's a step up from his 44 points in 70 games in the regular season, for sure. Um, and if he's a guy that can you turn it on going forward, that's a big boon for this franchise. Um so I'd like to see him keep on doing that for sure. I don't have much else to say. <laughs> Colorado's going to Colorado. Yeah, no, uh, there really isn't a whole lot to really get into this year just because Colorado is so good. And outside of goaltending, Taylor Hall, Arizona's really not. So, you know, there's there was a very large gap in between the talent between these two rosters because you look at Colorado having one of the best forward groups in the NHL, a defense that's not too shabby and has a potential rookie of the year, and then goaltending that's been average at worst. So the Colorado's just unbelievably talented, and Arizona's not there yet. So hey, uh, nothing surprising here. At least you made the playoffs. Yep, exactly. Looking at that, it's like it's a good thing you guys finally made it because you haven't been here in a while. It is how much that TV revenue is going to help that team, right? Even just from the first round, getting all those national games. 
right. And uh, last thing that we had on our list we wanted to talk about real quick is that Montreal just announced that Brendan um, Gallagher is undergoing surgery on a broken jaw, and he is at the very least going to miss the rest of the Montreal and Philadelphia series. Um, so he will not be playing uh, tomorrow night against the Flyers at Scotiabank Arena. Um, so, guys, how did uh, – I asked Josh, we'll start with you. How does this impact Montreal's chances at making a comeback in the series? Uh, well, first of all, uh, Maddie Niskanen needs to be chucked for at least five games. Uh, terrible cross-check. I don't know in what world that was not called on the ice. Um, the officiating in that game was probably the worst I've seen in years. Um, and I've watched a lot of Leafs games and a lot of Bruins games. I know bases that like to complain, but you know what? I'm just going to shut up about it moving forward, having seen that disgrace of a performance by Chris Lee and company. Um yeah, that's a five-game suspension at minimum. Wouldn't be surprised if it's longer. Uh, and if it's not, the league has a problem. And I guess we can talk about that when we actually get the result of that suspension. As of right now, it's still just a hearing. Um, Gallagher, man. Um, he's been with this team for, what, eight years now? Over 500 NHL games. There isn't energy he he had been underwhelming the whole time for sure um but there was an energy he brought to that game what was it five five game five it was just incredible like that that you know still screen of him sitting on the bench with the blood dripping from his mouth and he's just got the biggest grin on his face um he's the reason why montreal won that game not carrie price Sorry, I mean, Carey was good, but Gallagher was just the spark that team needed, and he was going to provide it again in game six. Tough loss. Not, man, it's a heartbreaking loss for the Canadians. He was going to be that guy in game six. Um, so, sucks if they get bounced. Really yeah. does. And um, the Department of Player Safety announced around noon, uh, or via their Twitter page, that. Uh, Matt Niskan was having a hearing today for cross-checking uh, Gallagher. Um, like we said earlier, still waiting on results of that hearing, um, but I'm sure that that will be out in the in the very near future, um, tomorrow at the very latest. Um, so, Matt, let's go to you. Your thoughts on the uh, Gallagher cross-check? Yeah, I'm I'm not going to add too much to the situation. I think Josh already covered it. I, a, I watched the play, and I don't know how a penalty wasn't called. He clearly meant to cross-check him in the face. And it's just – it was a dirty play. And then you look at the Kotkaniemi hit and sit on Sanheim and he gets ejected for it. I I don't understand – I didn't understand the officiating in that game. I think Gallagher is a big loss for the Canadians. He had four points in nine games. I think he really started to turn it on these past few games. And it's if they do manage to – take the next two games, it's going to definitely be a big loss for them moving forward. I just hope Niskanen gets the punishment he deserves. You know, and uh, definitely, you know, it's always hard to see that kind of injury. Um, 
we're all wishing Gallagher the best and uh, a quick recovery and hopefully he can return to the ice sooner rather than later. Um, hopefully not too soon as a Bruins fan, just I don't want to see Montreal make a deep run, but, uh, you know, definitely wishing Gallagher all the best in the uh, health moving forward. And so I think that just about does it for episode six of throwing haymakers. So thank you everyone who's listened to us today and, uh, you know, make sure you check back in again next week. Uh, we'll have another episode out for you.